When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My Seven Chakras, episode 153. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Taker? AJ here, your friend, your host, and your fellow Action Taker, coming to you all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. So if you've never heard of Vancouver before, take out the globe, move your fingers across USA, across California, more north, Portland, Washington, and then across the border of Seattle, Washington, and then you have the beautiful, fun, and nature-rich Vancouver. And I'm grateful today that I have this opportunity to talk to you, no matter where you are, across the globe. As you know, our show is about providing access to the knowledge, insights and ancient wisdom that you can use to transform your life. And we not only share those principles, we not only share those inspiring information, but also give you actionable tips and ideas on how you can embark on your human revolution today itself. Now, we have a spectacular episode today. But before that, I have one small request for you. If you're a regular listener, you would know that I always ask this question to our guests. Name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners. So today it's your turn. I'm in the mood of reading some new books. So my question to you is name a book that you'd like to recommend for me. To email me your suggestions, as always, my email address is aj at my7chakras.com. That's aj at my7chakras.com. Make sure you tell me which city you're from, the name of your business if you have one, because if the book is super inspiring, I will read it out on air as well. And with that, we are now ready to bring you our featured guest for today, Dr. Craig Wiener. So Dr. Wiener, are you ready to inspire? I'm ready to inspire. Awesome. So Dr. Craig B. Wiener is a licensed psychologist who specializes in the treatment of children, adolescents, and families. In addition to over 35 years of private practice, he is an assistant professor at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. His latest book, Parenting Your Child with ADHD, a no-nonsense guide for nurturing self-reliance and cooperation, presents a powerful drug-free way to reduce ADHD behavior and strengthen a child's capacity to self-manage. So, Dr. Wiener, I've given you a short intro, but please take a few moments to tell us a bit more about your story, and then we can begin? Oh, well, yeah. I, over the course of my uh, practicing, uh, I've really emphasized how to understand uh, people's problems more in terms of how they've learned to cope with the difficulties they encounter. So I'm more interested in uh, seeing people as uh, adapting. And even though uh, their adapting uh, has side effects and problems, there's ways in which what they're doing makes sense if you understand their circumstance. 
So rather than see people as defective, I'm seeing them as mm-hmm. struggling to um, make their way in the world. And they, given their situation, they may learn to do certain behaviors which have complications in some ways and in other ways are helpful to them. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot for providing us that context. And with that, let's begin with a dose of inspiration. So Dr. Weena, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that quote play out in your day-to-day life? Well, I think the one that was kind of of, uh, made popular by uh, John F. Kennedy, where he said, uh, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Because I, I'm all about promoting a person's um, self-development and responsibility rather than to think that the problems are going to be solved by other people making adjustments uh, to them or giving them something. I think that's really, really inspiring. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. So Action Tribe, my question to you is, how can you empower yourself so that you can do more for yourself and the community around you and ultimately for your country? So Dr. Weena, what inspired you to write your book, Parenting Your Child with ADHD? Well, I had written uh, two previous books on ADHD um, that were for academics. And uh, I was giving a talk at a national um, psychological convention and a um, book company asked me to put my views down into a format that could be um, more easily understood by uh, parents and lay people so that they could um, try to enact some of the things I was recommending. Got it. So diving a bit deeper, what exactly is ADHD? Well, in the traditional view, it's um, a group of behaviors that people do that are a list of criteria that would qualify you for a diagnosis. But it's no more than a combination of many heterogeneous behaviors. Uh, It has to do with whether you're doing what they call impulsive behaviors more often Mm -hmm. than other people in your age group or hyperactive behaviors more often or distractible behaviors. So if you can list these behaviors that you're doing, you get the label. And the label is that you do the behaviors, but it's come to be something understood that you have ADHD when really all you're doing behaviors. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the have means. You're doing a certain set of behaviors that qualify you for a diagnosis. Sure. So you said it's a combination of impulsive behaviors or maybe hyperactive or distractive behaviors. But at the end of the day, these are behaviors, right? So it's not about having them, but it's just a type of behavior that these children exhibit. Is that correct? That's correct. And there's no brain that you could look at that says you have ADHD. There's no gene you can look at that says you have ADHD. And so it's always based on the opinions of the people that are evaluating you to determine that basically not living up to the expectations of um, how you manage time, how you um, solve problems, how you organize. Sure. So it's their assessment of your actions. Got it. Now, for someone who isn't a parent or someone who hasn't heard about the term ADHD before, what are some of the unique challenges that parents whose children have ADHD face? The challenges for parents is that the youngster is basically intrusive when you want them to not be disrupted people sure. and non-participatory when you want them to join in and contribute. So you've got and also not really self-managing so that you're required. So so the parents end up in a pattern where they they find themselves cueing, directing, um, reminding. So it's like the parent's job to stop the child, to coerce the child to participate, to follow through, to do what they're expected to do. So it's a great, typically very, very difficult for the parent. And when the child goes to school, the child's behaviors are a big mismatch for school, and therefore, that's when the issue of taking the child to a professional comes into play, and the diagnosis gets um, triggered. 
Understood. So you spoke about a combination of intrusive and non-participatory behavior. The parent has to do a lot of extra work in terms of queuing, reminding, over-managing, or maybe following up. And because the parent is not at school, that's when the problem might surface even more. And that's when the teachers have a hard time. They contact the parents and uh, the parents are asked to take some sort of uh, corrective action. Now, could you talk to us a bit about the conventional treatment of ADHD and why that is not the best approach? Well, so what happens is um, ADHD has become the province of um, a biologist, neuro, neuropsychologists, physicians. Mm-hmm. So that all the research is done from the notion of um, looking for some inner biological cause. And um, you if they do enough research, they find sometimes certain kinds of biology um, changes the probability of the diagnosis uh, with some small degree. But sure. what's happened was in our society, we've adopted the um, view of a kind of a chemical imbalance for all these atypical behaviors so that we're a society where we're judging all all atypical behaviors as if they're biological defects, disruptions, mm-hmm. deficits. So what happens is the traditional treatment is based on on that formulation, and it says you have to kind of add to what's missing for the child. So the child's missing self-control, you have to add control. And if the child's got some biological uh, delay, then you give a medicine, which is a stimulant, which is going to improve their concentration. It improves everybody's concentration, but this will get somebody who's not attending to required activities to be more productive and more compliant. So it's mm-hmm. medication and more um, stringent management on the part of the parent, which really reduces to bribes and uh, punishments and timeout chairs and uh, immediate consequences as if you're going to coerce the child into conformity. Sure. I could see that definitely as a challenge. Uh, As you mentioned, the current research is focused on the biological cause, trying to find what is that chemical imbalance or a defect. And because they consider that a defect, they try to add something to sort of solve the problem, which sort of leads to the medication or the medicines that people provide the kids, which is not the right way, right? Well, the thing is, if you take a stimulant, yeah. you're going to be 15% more productive. You're going you're gonna to be more focused and narrow in your concentration. So uh, they used to, when women would take um, diet pills, they would do more housework because you tend to do more um, productivity if you're on a certain drug. But mm. it doesn't tell you why you weren't productive. It just tells you if you take this drug, you're going to be more productive. If you take alcohol, you're going to might be more social. It doesn't tell you why you weren't social. Got it. So the objective, I guess, is to dive deep into the why, dive deep into the root cause of what's creating the problem in the first place and not have these plug-in methods that stop the symptoms. Because they don't work over time. Long-term, what are you doing to a kid's brain and body? Long-term use of a stimulant. And they're finding that with all the diagnostic categories, long-term are very poor outcomes for all the diagnostic categories. Mm -hmm. Got it. Now, this is a topic that you discuss about in your book. Could you give us a brief understanding of the five main ways that parents may have unintentionally reinforced ADHD symptoms? ADHD behaviors get reinforced whether the parent's involved or not, but parents can participate in the reinforcement of the child's behavior because they're with the child a lot and interacting a lot with the child. So if the child's hyperactive and moving around and touching things what happens with most kids when they are when they're touching things they usually touch things they're not supposed to touch so it's usually necessary to stop them and respond to them and if the kid's loud and interrupting people it usually gets everybody to stop what they're doing and you have to shift your attention to the kid and yeah. if, the, if the kid's taking risks and climbing on top of the swing set you're going to have to stop what you're doing and go get them 
And if the kids are not doing their schoolwork, then they avoiding something that they're supposed to be doing. And they, the reinforcement is that they don't have to do what they don't want to do. And if they don't respond when you call them, they don't have to give up what they're doing. Or if, if they do what is called impulsive, which is just uh, with the, really, I don't even know what the word means. It, it means you're <laughs> doing something that we don't like the outcome. And basically, if you reach quickly for the mashed potatoes, you can get them before somebody else. So if you don't ask permission and you just do it, then uh, it's impulsive. But on the other hand, you're getting it too. Mm-hmm. So just to provide us more context, could you talk to us about when ADHD was first discovered and maybe the evolution of this over the years? Well, if you think back as long as there was children, then we have to socialize kids. And what do kids do as soon as they start walking? And especially if they're an active kid, the kids who are more active or curious, they're going to be, oh, that's going to create problems. So there's, there's, ADHD goes, it had different names at different times. Uh, uh-huh. One time, at one point, they called it minimal brain dysfunction, and then they gave up that because it, it implied as if they thought it was a brain thing, and they could never find a brain thing. There's always been kids that have to be socialized, and kids have to learn when to um, wait their turn and share and not intrude, and they have to learn to give up what they're doing and conform to other people. Infants don't have to do anything, but parents have to take care of an infant completely, and then the, over time, is an expectation to conform to expectations. So ADHD is uh, just another way to have to... It, are behaviors that aren't non-conforming behaviors. So it's a problem of uh, there's always been that that task for parents. So let's talk about the solution now. As a part of your program, what are some of the principles that parents can adopt to really overcome this challenge at hand? Well, first thing is very important. It's very important for all sorts of things, which is if you presume some competence on the part of the child, you talk with the child differently. You uh, anticipate that the child can learn and uh, eventually do the kinds of things you're hoping the child will do. If you assume the child's uh, incompetent, defective, then you end up parenting and interrelating in a whole different way. You you may not nurture self-reliance if you assume it can't happen, which is what parents are kind of being told when they, they say that your kid has this neurological developmental delay. They're, they're kind of told you can't, your kid cannot learn self-control. They have to be imposed, and self-control has to be, control has to be imposed upon them. So that's one thing. And the other thing is learn to manage the child, socialize the child with as little coercion as you can, because if you think about it, nobody wants to lose their chance to have a vote or discretionary authority. So most people, um, eventually, if you give them a chance to feel as if their feelings and their point of view is recognized, the way they cooperate and integrate their actions with others is very different than they feel when they feel they're being enslaved or coerced or or dominated. So that the problem of socializing a child is to help them see the joy of having a relationship with you that's mutually caring. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm going to do something nasty to you if you don't do what I say. That's not a way to have a a connection or intimacy or even to get the child to behave in a particular way other than once you start coercing it, you're stuck doing that all the time to get the result. And then ultimately the child gets too big for you to dominate and then you're really in trouble. (laughs) That's true. Actually, those are two really actionable insights that you provided us. Number one, change the way that you talk to your child, adopt a growth and learning mindset and communicate to your child that making a mistake is all right and that they can definitely improve. And number two, socialize a child with as little coercion as possible. In fact, let them express their voice, their feelings, their thoughts as if they are in a one-to-one relationship with using as little force as possible. So thanks a lot for sharing. Yeah, so I would like to just add something quickly to that. Of course. This method can seem as if it's permissive, and I think parents will find that it's kinder and firmer than other methods. Uh, the, 
Well, other recommendation is for the parent to maintain assertiveness and to address problems when they occur and to take mm-hmm. assertive action to solve problems. So a lot of the problems we have with kids nowadays is the lack of the requirement that the child also has to conform to the family. And this is the initial quote I gave you, which is none of this has anything to do with, it's an attempt to help the child understand the perspective of others and adapt their behavior to coincide with that. But it's to do it in a non, as little coercion as possible. Got it. So I'm curious, Dr. Weena, how did you first enter the field of psychology? What's the story behind that? My father was a um, professor at Clark University, a uh, psychologist. And um, I learned psychology by um, growing up with him and uh, studying his work and uh, talking with him. And uh, it became something that was very enjoyable to me. And uh, it was something um, kind of like uh, some of these baseball players whose sons become baseball players. It's yeah. It just becomes part of the family. And I, I got acquainted with lots of interesting ideas in psychology at a very young age. Would he often take you to his workplace and things like that? Well, um, I remember that, sure. And I was part of a certain kind of experiment. I'm sure <laughs> that were in the uh, literature, but uh, ultimately, as I got older and became a young man, that's when I could most um, appreciate what he was doing because there's it, it a certain amount of sophistication to little kids aren't going to recognize the uh, subtleties of psychology as, as much as when you're older. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot for sharing your insights with us today. Based on what you shared, what is that one actionable tip that you can share with our parents today listening to the show right now? This is what I'm hoping a parent starts to do, to become a keen observer of your child's behavior and understand the situation and what's going on when the child does these ADHD responses. And watch what happens in terms of what you do or other people do, and watch what happens when the child behaves in that way. So you can start to see the flow of how the child is learning to do these patterns of action. Mm -hmm. So rather than buy into this notion that these behaviors are just kind of neurology unleashed, you can start to see that when you're on the phone, the child starts get making noise and acting up because what it does is it gets you off the phone. Now, if you're on the mm-hmm. phone and it's late at night and the child knows that if they don't make a peep and you're going to keep talking and you're not going to get them off their uh, uh, iPad or you're not going to get them away from the TV and send them to bed, then they may not make a sound. So you can see that these, these behaviors occur under certain conditions. Like if you take them to a toy store and they're shopping for a toy that they want, their behaviors can be very different than if they're sitting there and they have to wait while their brother or sister is looking for a toy. Mm. Or if you're going to someplace they want to go to, are they as late and dragging as if is when you take them to a place like a like a um, antique store and they don't want to go. So you watch the behaviors occur on only a particular time. So then the issue is solving the problem the child is having with conforming to the agenda that's being imposed upon them. So I help parents become uh, much better at observing the relational patterns and the child's actions and what might reinforce the child's actions and what they can do differently to change the way in which they and their child are living in the world over time. And that's the way I treat ADHD. It's not just stuff them with amphetamine and get them to be uh, less chaotic because the amphetamine is not going to work that well over time. Absolutely. And thanks for sharing Action Tribe to access the show notes for today's episode. Visit my7chakras.com forward slash 153. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 153. The struggle alone pleases us, 
not the victory. This is an amazing quote by Blaise Pascal. Action Tribe, this might be hard to believe or understand, especially when you're in the struggle and when challenges from all sides are coming towards you. But the human species is not made for staying constant. Change is the only constant. We always want to get somewhere, whether it's becoming smarter or wiser or happier or healthier. And whether we want it or not, our mind is always following a GPS of sorts. Either it's going in the right direction or in the wrong direction. So when we're victorious, we might enjoy it for a few days or even months. But after that, we want to grow. And in order to grow, we have to grow through struggles. And that's why geniuses like Blaise Pascal often admit that struggle is the only experience that pleases us. So Dr. Veena, talk to us about a major life challenge that you've encountered. Firstly, how did you encounter it in the first place? And then what did you do to overcome that obstacle? Okay, and I agree with what you were saying that um, all too much where we think that our, if our kids aren't happy that somehow we're doing terrible parenting when it's the struggle and the working out the solution and the child getting reinforced that they can overcome a struggle and learn and, and, and succeed and that's what helps them uh, live in the world and manage on their own and be successful. So I think any struggle is, writing these books is a struggle in terms of all the obstacles and difficulties that go with uh, producing a, a large project. There's a requirement to work every day and work every day consistently and to keep, take the feedback that people give and uh, make something constructive out of it and adapt to what other people are requiring until you come up with the final result. And it's persistence is the key to life. Absolutely. So from your experiences in your life, if you had to share one major life lesson with our listeners, what would that be? After mourning a disappointment and, and being unhappy, that you've somehow got to um, readjust and adapt to the new situation and make the best of it. So that uh, goes with any disappointment. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that insight with us. You spoke about your experience with writing a book. As I could totally imagine, it is a huge project with a lot of struggle, you know, sticking to routine, actually writing the book, taking time to write the book, getting feedback, embracing persistence. All of it is something that is definitely not streamlined or it's not a cakewalk. And since you've written so many books, in addition to your latest book, I think it's really inspiring. And I'm sure that listeners listening to the show as well can take note that uh, struggle is the only experience that pleases us. Just like the quote that we heard before. Action Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's episode so far and I've got some actionable steps to take right away. As we always learn, it's important to have your vision, your goals and your dreams in your mind and take action on them on a regular basis. But along with that, don't forget to take some time every single day to enjoy the here and now. To be grateful for the people that you have around you and for the love that you are showered with even though you may not realize it. Life is fragile, so take some time to listen, to chat, to love the people close to you because as Theodore Giesel once said, sometimes you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. So Dr. Weiner, as on today, what is your life's calling? Um, what I'd like to do is um, try to uh, get the message of these books out um, more loudly or have a larger influence because I think it's uh, absolutely necessary for parents to have an option that's mm -hmm. not based on the medical model. I think that uh, there's some, even the... Um, the medical profession is starting to put out some uh, information that says for parents not to use drugs as a first line uh, intervention, yeah. but that's the, those messages are very slow to come by. I feel that uh, the drug whole drug culture is 
uh, inundated the medical profession to such an extent that uh, the doctors are, mean, are well-meaning, but the only really thing they understand to do is give a medication when often it's really not the best way to go. So I think it's really important for parents to have an option of, uh, about what to do differently. Mm. So thanks a lot for your message. If you had to relive the memories of your life and your career, is there a defining moment that really changed things for you? I think the, actually the defining moment was uh, I've been a psychotherapist therapist seeing many, many clients a week. And there was a point where I, I just decided in my uh, late 40s that uh, I wanted to write a book and that mm-hmm. would uh, make my work uh, knowable to um, people other than the people I see in my private practice, the, the clients that I've had. So it was a, it was a, that's a defining moment to try to reach a, a different audience than uh, the, the client. It would be the um, other therapists, social workers, and um other uh, physicians who could have access to other ways of understanding these di- this diagnostic category. I think that's a really inspiring moment to go beyond the people that you were interacting with on a regular basis and to release a book. And like you mentioned, going through struggle, but ultimately, I'm sure when you had the book in your hand, it was all worth it. And with that, we've arrived at the last round for today, the wisdom round, four rapid fire questions that need four nuggets of wisdom. Number one, what is the best advice that someone's ever given you, Dr. Wiener? Don't believe what everyone else says. Name a personal habit that keeps you going. I jog every day. Wonderful. So what is your morning routine like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? I get up, uh, have a small bite to eat, and then I I go for a run. If I have a little time, I might go um, on the internet and look at uh, YouTube videos of other professionals, and then I get ready for work. But I always make sure that I um, do my exercise uh, before I go to work. Name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. I think um, if people go to the website, um, it's called Mad in America. And it's Robert Whitaker's website. And you could read any book by Robert Whitaker, too. He's reviewed um, all these, uh, the impact of the pharmaceuticals on uh, mental health. And uh, people can become more aware of the shortcomings of the pharmaceutical interventions and the medical model that's taken over our uh, our understanding of uh, variations in behavior. Perfect. We will have that up in the show notes as well. Action Tribe, to access today's show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash one. 153. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 153. So Dr. Weiner, thank you so much for inspiring us today and especially the parents listening to this episode this very moment. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are truly grateful for and also how do we find you online? So I'm truly grateful that it's been possible for me to um, do this work and uh, I was very grateful that the um, book company New Harbinger Publications was willing to publish a parenting book, which really was a wonderful treat for me to have. And people can find me. I have a website. Uh, it's called craigweiner.com and uh, C-R-A-I-G-W-I-E-N-E-R.com. And you can see my work there and uh, you could have access to um, my books um, 
through Amazon.com. I have my books are at all the Barnes and Noble stores. The parenting book is at every Barnes and Noble store throughout the United States. I don't know if it's in Vancouver. I think so because I saw a copy in Hawaii when I was there. So the books are really easily accessible. So there you go, Action Tribe. Especially if you're a parent and you might have a child with ADHD, you have to check out this link, craigweiner.com, just to learn more about how you can learn to treat this challenge and learn how you can build a stronger relationship with your child and uh, how everything can, can become better once again. <laughs> yeah. So the link is craigwinner.com. I'll have the link to the book as well so that you can purchase the book wherever you are, whether it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can get yourself a copy and get empowered. So Dr. Wiener, thank you so much for coming on our show, enlightening us about a new approach to ADHD and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Seven chakras. Go to my S E V E N chakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.